It's hard as a mom to, I cry myself to sleep a lot. <laughs> I feel like I'm dropping balls left and right. I'm either being the best mom I can be, but I totally forgot to ship all the packages today, or I'm like killing it in the business and fired up, but then I forgot parent-teacher conferences. Just giving yourself grace to drop the balls. Hi, I'm Brooke Raybould. I'm a high-achieving mama with a Georgetown MBA who said no to the corporate world and yes to herself. Trained by two of the top business schools in the country, I fell in love with entrepreneurship and embarked on the biggest startup of my life, my family. Drowning in diapers and laundry, I bootstrapped my way to building a six-figure online business where I was paid to be myself. And now, I'm on a mission to help women ditch the mom memes and build the life they were created for. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom looking to optimize your routines and carve out a little something for yourself, or the savvy woman wanting to do it all, I will break down the systems and strategies that help busy moms get big results. Step on into my stay-at-home office and welcome to the At Home Startup Podcast. I am so excited to share today's episode and today's guest, Lauren Stokes. And to me, Lauren truly represents the epitome of the female entrepreneurial spirit. Lauren shares how sketching dresses out of a magazine and along with her husband's encouragement, she turned that idea into a small business reality that catapulted into a million dollars and then into a multi-multi-million dollar reality. But what's unique about Lauren's story is that along that journey, she couldn't help but question, is bigger really better? Or is there a small business sweet spot? Buckle in as we dive into Lauren's story now. Lauren, I am so excited to chat with you today. I feel like I geek out over moms that are entrepreneurs, clearly dedicated to their families, and also have this fire inside to build something. And you have done that. And so I just want to jump in to kind of like the beginning of where it all started, even if we have to go all the way back to Arkansas. All the way back to Arkansas. It's so funny looking back. If I write out a timeline of my life, I'm like, wow. So let's go through your woe. So I am actually a nurse by trade. I went to nursing school and I worked as a nurse for less time than I was in nursing school. Not my proudest moment, but you know, that's when the entrepreneurial stuff really started happening. So I was on bed rest with my first child for 10 weeks. And while I was on bed rest, I was so bored. So I'm like sitting in bed and watching TV, like reading every single magazine. I would see these celebrities wearing dresses out and about. And I'd be like, well, that's so pretty. But if it were up to me, this is what I would do to it. And so I just started sharpening over magazines. And then it turned into a sketchbook. It passed the time. It was really fun to sketch clothes and dresses. Then when my son was born, my husband was the one who was like, you clearly are passionate about this. I wasn't excited to go back into nursing. I love taking care of people, which is why I love being a mom, but it wasn't something I wanted to leave my child to go do. And so I wanted to find a way to help out the family. We were young. We were 24 years old. You know, didn't have a huge savings account at that point. 
So what can I do to stay home with my child and also help out with the bills at home? We decided to start a clothing line. So we named it after my first name and then my son's name is Lofton James. So we named it Lauren James. It was supposed to be a small little thing that I could stay at home with him. It grew 6,000% in the first three years. Oh my gosh. Did you have in business school, it's like your business plan. These are my sketches. This is what I'm thinking. And tell me about that process. Was there a plan? Like, did you pick a target market and really carve out a niche? How was that process? It really was, this is what I like. This is what I would love as a consumer. I almost think my lack of knowledge almost helped me out because I wasn't scared to do it. It wasn't this big business I was planning on doing. I wanted to design dresses. My husband who did go to business school, he was the one who was like, okay, you want to design dresses. That's very expensive to do, to like produce these dresses. And then you don't even know if anyone's going to want to buy, who's going to buy them. I said, okay, we got to figure out a way to to get there, build the customer base, build the bank account. So we started with t-shirts and we started, I printed 24 t-shirts at a local screen printer. So I told them what I wanted and they clip arted it together. Not my best work. Made these 24 shirts, sold the 24 shirts bought 50 shirts with that money, sold the 50 shirts. I would go to the county fair. Instagram was just getting started. So this is 2013. I didn't have a business plan because I didn't expect it to be a, a huge business. It wasn't until we realized we're reaching people. I found like-minded individuals who were also passionate about these Southern girly designs. I made sundresses and t-shirts. That's not reinventing anything. I mean, there were dresses and t-shirts on the market and it wasn't about filling a void. One of the best business advice quotes I got from my husband, he said, if you want to succeed in business, you either have to be the first or you have to be the best or you have to be different. And so it's not just being first at something. It's not just being best at something. Sometimes you could just be totally different, be yourself. No one's like you. Now at this point, was it kind of a fully, like a full functioning business? Yes. So that was April of 2013 is when the business formed per se, and we were doing t-shirts. So we started designing the dresses, made the dresses, and then in February, we launched our website. And then I remember we were broke at this point, like having to design everything, and we had a baby. And I remember we were sitting at a wedding the day our website launched, and we're sitting in the pew of the church looking at our Shopify app, and I think we made $25,000 that day. I remember sitting there, it almost makes me want to cry now. I remember sitting there with just tears in my eyes, oh my gosh, we're going to pay our bills. (laughs) This is amazing. (laughs) It grew pretty fast after that. That's amazing. So then one of the things that you have something to say about is how to start a business on a budget. Yes. What do you have to say about that? I think for moms, right? If you're a or anyone who's say newly married, or even if you know your spouse is working, you're working, anytime you take the risk to start a business, that's a huge sometimes gamble. But it feels so much better if you can take it maybe in baby steps. What's your thought on starting a business on a budget? I think that anyone, I don't care if you have all the money in the bank, it's so important to start small and on a budget because if you put all this money and website and spend thousands of dollars, that doesn't guarantee that people are going to buy your product or your service. If you start small, you can at least gain the interest of your customers and know that, okay, 
this is going to be successful or maybe it's not with every business. I think it's so important to start small and grow from there. It helps with your customer base really feel connected to you and your brand because you're starting small. They feel important. They feel like they're a part of something small. And then as it grows, they kind of get to grow with it. And so I think that is a great way to develop a lifelong loyal customer. It reminds me of this book that I was introduced to in business business school called The Lean Startup. And it, the the concept is exactly that. It's basically just kind of throw it out to the market without investing so much in it. Throw out almost your rough draft type thing, oh. then get feedback, and then you'll get better. And then you know, keep Absolutely. going along that path. So it sounds like that's Absolutely. what you guys did. I feel like people sometimes have this mindset, like if it's not perfect, I, I can't launch it. With me, with starting these little businesses, I'm like, if I waited till I was perfect, I would never do it. You know what I mean? I just, I have to do stuff that's imperfect and messy and a little rough around the edges just to see, like throw stuff at the wall, see what sticks. Because I think at this, I need to have like a tally at this point. My husband and I have started well over 10 businesses. Not all of them are successful, but if I, but some of them are surprise successes. And if we would have waited till we were perfect and put all this money into it and it failed, that would have been such a disappointment. Completely. I mean, I think, I think that's a winning strategy for sure. You're sitting in the church pew, <laughs> you get this notification on your phone, then what happened with the business? I mean, it really took off from there. This was kind of the start of social media too. And I look back and I remember that was the day when I could do a giveaway for one t-shirt and people had to like repost it on their feed and I'd have thousands of people enter and follow and gain like 10,000 followers over a t-shirt. It was a lot easier <laughs> to gain <laughs> followers in that way. But once those dresses started selling, so at that point we're like, oh, we need to, we need more dresses. <laughs> we got to find a warehouse. We've got some demand. We got some demand. So we found a small warehouse. Um, we didn't actually hire anyone until we had done a million dollars in sales. That is incredible. See, now in my head, I'm like, how did we do that with a baby? Because, you know, you need help. I think it's really important to know when to hire someone to help, especially if it's something that you're not passionate about or super strong in that side of the business. And I think it's important to go ahead and hire someone to help you out a little bit. And I think once we hired our first employee, we had like 10 within the next couple months. So tell me about the process of running it just the two of you. Was it exhausting? Like were you fearful of bringing people on or was it manageable and you were kind of riding that wave? T tell me a little bit about yeah, that. No, looking back on the whole the business as a whole, like that was the best. It was the best time. Everyone was excited. We came to our group excited. It was easy to hire good people. I think at the end of the business we had 150 employees. I guess a little tricky then. Those few employees, and it was great. Just me and my husband, we got along so well running this, and we still do run businesses together because we are very different. And I know I can't do what he does, and he knows he can't do what I do. And so we really rely on each other. It's so special, though, that you you guys, you know, got to bring. It was like a family venture. Family first, always. Everything we do mm -hmm. is for our family. Having done social media, it was like, okay, what can keep me as a mom? Right. You know? And that's what I love about entrepreneurship is like you can 
kind of go full steam ahead as a parent, but then you can also draw boundaries around it during certain times right? when you need to kind of step back and be like, okay, I need to be able to be a mom or a dad now. Absolutely. What was that moment? And I know that hiring is not an easy process because it sounds like you guys were at a manageable state. And then I consider 150 employees to be, I don't, I don't understand that. So let's, I'm sure anyone listening now is just like, what was that transition like? How did it go from kind of zero to 150? Where were the challenges? Like, what are your general thoughts now having gone through that process? Because we got up to almost 15 million a year in revenue. If we would have kept it at that 5 million mark, we were super profitable. We had a small team. Everyone was so happy. It was so easy. So not easy, but it's so great. That was the sweet spot. And then we were trying to expand, expand, expand. Profits were going down. We had to hire all these people. And another good piece of business advice I got was to hire slow and fire fast. And me as a person, I'm a very empathetic person. I hated to fire people. And looking back, that was so bad for my business. I thought I was helping someone when in reality, I was hurting everyone. You have to look at it like, let them go do something they're passionate about. We hired really, really fast and had a lot of amazing employees. And then once it got too big, I started trying to hire people that had way more experience than I did, which rightfully so, because I didn't even go to business school. It really kind of got, it got difficult at that point. I think the most important point that I heard from that is bigger is not always better. Right. Growth is hard. Growth is expensive. There are people out there who are great at running huge corporations. I think those people probably aren't great at starting a little startup in a basement. You know what I mean? There's different types of business owners, different types of entrepreneurs. I love a, I love a startup. I love the passion that goes into it. You really get to know your customers. I still know so many of our first customers. They still follow me and my family. Once it got so big, I wasn't even designing anymore. I was signing papers pretty much all day long. And it wasn't fun anymore. When you have that passion, it's fun every day. You can really create magic. But if you get to the point where it's not fun, you really have to reevaluate and say either how do I get back to that or what's the next step? It sounds like you brought people on with MBAs and it's like, I think the heart of why I wanted to start this podcast, what I felt was missing in business school is the, the basic entrepreneur. Why are we losing sight of this pioneering entrepreneur that starts a small business that can like you all reach 5 million in sales? I mean, that for a family is is incredible success. Your message is one that is so important that it's like, how do you get back to that kind of that like manageable startup that feels good while you're doing it and that you feel like you're doing the work at the end of the day that you should be doing. Spin out of control and it's like, oh, I need to be doing this. That doesn't even make me happy. Like that, maybe it's more money. Okay. But you learn so quickly that is draining. I'm not sure profit wise, but it sounds like what you were saying. It's not like you guys were even making that much more because now the expenses are probably so much higher. Right. Expenses were higher. We're having to do such larger runs of production. We were doing so many different things. 
and we would have a production run go wrong. Or we had a, a new employee one time who accidentally ordered a million of a shirt instead of a hundred thousand, things like that just spin out of control because it's such a large monster of a company can't focus on every little thing. Little mistakes like that are just so detrimental at that point. So you've got now a full, in my opinion, like a corporation right? in, in some ways that you're running. What did you guys realize at that point and where did it go from there? So at the height It was almost God kind of being like, okay, humble yourself a little bit. Because I remember we were in Atlanta and we were in a meeting to sell the company. And I had this number in my head that I still cannot believe I had the audacity (laughs) to have this number. But, you know, at the same time, know your worth. I mean, throw it out there. If someone agrees with you on your worth, then great. And they came back with a number that to this day I'm ill about that I was like, (laughs) Absolutely not. And I'm, oh, why was I such a dummy? (laughs) But it was a really good lesson. And I think that really was a turning point. Like we came back and it kind of was all out of control. And we had investors that turns out didn't have our best interests at heart. And we had employees who were kind of taking advantage. There was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we didn't didn't know what was going on. When we tried to hire like upper management, we made a few mishires there and it just kind of got too big. It got out of control. It was a great lesson in the grand scheme of things. And I have to just remind myself that it was a really good lesson. (laughs) There's someone I follow in entrepreneurship. His name is Russell Brunson. And he talks about going through your first big fail as an entrepreneur. And he says, Every entrepreneur has to do it. Have to do it. Because you almost get too big for your britches. And if you don't go through that, you almost can't move forward in a in a successful way. The beautiful thing about the entrepreneurial mind is you keep going. So tell me what happened from that point, you know, in terms of your entrepreneurial ventures after that. That is the biggest test in life, not just business and in life is how you can emerge from a loss. I mean, when we ended up like selling the company, transferring the company over to an investor, I was going to stay on as the designer. I was so excited. I finally get to design again. Every entrepreneur knows once you're no longer the the owner, like the big boss, it's not the same because it's not yours anymore. And so that was really hard. And so we made the tough decision to exit completely. And it took me a minute. I was so happy to finally be able to make it to soccer practice and go on a family vacation and all these things. It takes a minute to wrap your head around this complete change that you're going through. And so we decided to take a year-long vacation, which... Sounds bizarre, but we ended up selling our house. We had built our dream home. We finally have the time. We finally have the flexibility. Let's go rent a house for a year, somewhere fun, and just really focus on our family because the third child was a newborn at this point. And our boys had grown up so fast and we're like, oh my gosh, what? Let's get back to that. So we rented a house here in Florida for a year and that was three and a half years ago. (laughs) But then once we moved here... I was totally planning on being a a mom only, but I think when you have that inside of you, that entrepreneur 
spirit. It's really hard to see an opportunity and not take advantage of it. I stumbled upon an idea to make a wine company, to create this wine company that supported moms. I wanted to create a product that was a giftable item for moms on good days or bad days. What's a good product that is a good day or bad day? What is it? And my husband was kind of joking. I was like, what would I want to receive as a gift? Wine? I was like, wine, you're right. It's <laughs> like, it's actually a really good industry to get into. We should do that. I'm like, okay, let's, let's try that. So we started our wine company. We started getting everything ready and working with a winery to do like a private label. We didn't own the winery. So we were going to private label. Same, same concept as before starting lean. I'm not going to go buy a vineyard and learn how to stomp grapes, but there's tons of vineyards and wineries that do private label and will work with you. So we started finding the perfect wine and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> that was difficult. We did all of our tastings. They would overnight a bunch of wine samples to us and we would do the tastings at home. So that was really interesting having to start a business during a pandemic. We finally launched Thank goodness. And then I still work with some of the same influencers I worked with before. That's really important because I'm kind of both sides of that influencer game. I work with influencers as a brand, but I also work with brands as an influencer so I can see both sides of it. In the clothing days, there's some, some influencers who weren't very nice and professional. There are some that were amazing and those amazing ones and who are kind and flexible and easy to work with. I still work with now. And so I think it's really important for influencers to understand that just maybe if you're, if it's not your thing right now, you still keep that professionalism and the kindness and know if that business owner is going to remember you or recommend you to another brand or so there's been a little crossover with that, with the first company. This is your baby, you know, that you're paying absolutely good marketing money to hopefully get some conversions and some eyeballs and that's an investment, you know, is 100% investment, especially for a new company. Some of these rates that people have are way more than my monthly marketing budget. It was really, it's really hard to navigate those waters. One of the question marks I have when you're putting something out to the market that I think is a big struggle point I think of your clothing line and then I think of Hey Mama Wines. It sounded like you put the clothing line on a platform, but what is your traffic secret? That I wish I had a formula. I could write it down and be a billionaire, honestly, because it's- I feel like that's such a hard- It's so hard. I mean, influencer marketing is the greatest thing to ever happen to brands. I truly believe that with the social media world, there's a lot of brands who will send a product one time and they have an influencer talk about it one time and that's it. Hardly anyone is going to purchase a product the first time they hear about it. So it's the repetition. I would just send it to them all the time and they would just organically start drinking it and they start liking it. And then they're in their stories. It's a Friday night. They have one in their hand. It's very organic. Same with clothes. I would just send them and they would be out and about wearing them. Then it turns into, oh, people are asking about it. Let me talk about it. Getting people to hear your product, see your product multiple times is key because that's what is going to develop develop a, a lifelong customer. But the traffic, it's hard, especially now. Instagram is, it's gotten 
hard <laughs> to navigate. It changes all the time. How do you reach your audience sometimes? And then if you are trying to reach them with a product, that's even harder now where I feel like the algorithm just completely works against you. It's hard. Doing a lot of outreach. Uh, customer service is really important. Finding your customers who are your loyal customers and rewarding them for that. Uh, making them feel special, adding a little some, something extra in their shipping box just to be like, even just a note, like, hey, I've noticed you've ordered three times. I just wanted to personally say thank you. And even just a, a personal thank you is so meaningful. Valuing your customer is so important. And then getting it in front of them multiple times is so important. And that recipe is a great way to have lifelong loyal customers. I think that it kind of goes back to the corporation versus the on like the small business entrepreneur. Just those touch points that people maybe take for granted that do build such a like a soul filled business. And I think there's a huge difference, you yeah. know, notable difference that customers notice, and then the people running the business usually. Absolutely. And that's another notice. company gets so big, you don't have there's not enough hours in the day to even recognize all your customers. It's a difficult path to navigate. <laughs> One of the things that you said that really stuck out to me was or is the the lo- like the loneliness factor, like the mom that feels right. lonely as the CEO and then the mom that feels lonely as the stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And I feel like I could relate to that infinity it's because yeah it's just such a it's a it's an interesting thing I think for women in particular to have to navigate where I just relate so much to that because I'm the I'm the entrepreneurial spirit but I always wanted to stay at home with my kids but I have this fire in me but I don't want to go work for a company I don't care about. And it's hard as a mom too. I know you'll totally understand this. I'm sure all entrepreneur moms. It's, I go to bed. I cry myself to sleep a lot. (laughs) I feel like I'm dropping balls left and right. I'm either being the best mom I can be, but I totally forgot to ship all the packages today. Or I'm killing it in the business and fired up, but then I forgot parent-teacher conferences. And it's especially for moms, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be everything and to be perfect and to do all the things all the time. When in reality, your kids don't care. Like it took Mm -hmm. a long time to realize like the kids, they don't care if there are dishes in the sink. They care that you're happy and that you're present and that you love them. And I think it's important for kids to see their mom passionate about a business and about work. That's such it's such a great way to teach them work ethic is by modeling it yourself. And so just giving yourself grace to drop the balls and to make mistakes and to just not be perfect is a game changer. Sure. I needed that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm talking to myself kind of right now. <laughs> no, I feel like it is so true where, yeah, if you go to bed, I always say like, I want to wake up like thinking about my kids. Yeah. And then when I wake up thinking about my business, I feel bad, you know, but then but if, you shouldn't feel bad. Because no, I know. My husband reminds me about that. He's like, just, you're such a good mom. What are you doing to yourself? Um, I had Mallory Irvin on the other day and she's like, 
It's like this refusal to turn the thing, the blessings in your life into a nightmare. And that stuck with me too. I'm like, oh my gosh, like why am I turning this beautiful business opportunity where I can run a business that I care about from home and I can be home with my kids? Like you said, I think it's the perfect thing. Give yourself permission to drop the balls. This is okay. Like we're okay. We're doing the best we survive. can. We're doing our best. Everyone's going to survive. It's it's going to be great. When I was growing up, my parents both worked in an office. And that's how a lot of my friends' parents were as well. And then now we live in such a world where you could, with the internet, I mean, you can work from home. You can work from wherever. You can, like there's so many different opportunities. And I think it's great for kids to see parents working hard. And I never knew what my parents did. I, I just knew they left and then came home. So now, yeah, I'm working a lot, but they they see that. And I, I hope they're proud. I know that they're proud. I know. <laughs> Kids are great. And they're so resilient. They're so sweet. They really are. They are the best. Well, I just want to thank you for sharing everything. Is there one final thing that you might want to share with the mom entrepreneur to close it out? One of the most important things that I haven't even touched on, but something that's so important for moms and entrepreneurs, whatever it may be, is to find your tribe of friends, supporters, like-minded people. I have all sorts of friends and I love all my my friends, love them. But finding the entrepreneurial mom or the business owner mom, someone that you, that is totally like-minded, that you can have that support system. I think that's, it's such a, it's so amazing. It's something other than a spouse, which you need, you know, that's amazing to have a supportive spouse, but finding your tribe, making an effort, being intentional about getting together and hanging out with your friends and being who you are. You're not just a mom. You're not just a business owner. Like you're also a person. And so making time to see your friends, just to remember who you are as a person, it really helps. It all helps you as a business owner. It helps you remember who you are, something to be intentional about. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. You just, I had chills 90% of the conversation. You're just, you were fabulous. So I want to thank you for your time. Thank you so much. You were so easy to talk to. I appreciate you having me on. You have some of the most amazing people on your show. So I'm very honored and just thank (laughs) you for even having me on. This is so fun and what a great way to start the day. (laughs) Totally. Thanks, Lauren. You're welcome. Wow. Like I kept saying, Lauren's story gave me chills for many reasons. I think she truly represents the entrepreneurial story from, you know, the sketches and the magazine to the lean startup to, you know, starting the business on a budget to sitting in the church pew and seeing that $25,000 come in to growing the business and then realizing that They started to lose touch with why they were doing it in the first place. Um, And then her continuing on that entrepreneurial journey as a mom, as a wife, trusting in herself, trusting in the process, and being okay with letting some of the balls drop 
knowing that her kids are watching her and she's doing the best that she can. I am so grateful that you all got to listen to Lauren on today's episode. And more than anything, I hope that you remember that sometimes you just have to switch out the playbook. Until next time on the At Home Startup Podcast.